This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone. This is the Go 24-7 podcast. My name is Bryce Kuhn. I've got Sonny Ship and Glenn West alongside me. As we dive into the mailbag today, uh, we asked you some que- We wanted you to ask some questions and uh, you got us, we got some good ones. We got a good topic of conversation. If you're watching over on YouTube, though, make sure to hit the subscribe button, set up notifications. You know when the latest video is out. We got some more great stuff coming up here in the next couple weeks. Uh, it's opening day of baseball. I don't think we got a baseball question, but it's because Glenn's done such a good job of answering all the questions on the board that uh, we didn't we didn't have any. So, Glenn, are you real quick, Glenn? Are you excited for baseball season to start today? I am super excited, and I am. <laughs> I, I'm actually in the. Uh, the you can the we camp, can tell the camp of being this earlier. This is video, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, super excited. Uh, no, I uh, I'm in the camp of uh, being glad that this is a 3 p.m. game. They've moved it up a couple hours because of the cold weather here. So uh, I know a lot of fans are probably a little bit miffed at that, but it's just kind of you know it is what it is. It's going to be a little bit warmer. I think it's probably good for the pitcher's arms. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, excited for a great weekend of baseball, though. It's going to be a lot of fun. Baseball, we know spring practice. We've kind of got those dates now. Uh, we got SEC media days, so we're starting to get more of a concrete view of what the what is now a year-round college football schedule starts to look like. And that starts us off with our first question, guys. Uh, LSU Tiger 76, uh, ask over on the boards. And real quick, before we dive in, if you want to have a question, yes, Hit us up on social media. Yes, you can throw it down in the YouTube comments below. But the best way is to go to subscribe, go 24-7, and make sure you throw it on there. We're going to be doing – Sonny, I think you said we're going to be posting it on Monday uh, or Tuesday for the following Monday. That's going to be kind of the new format, correct, for people watching and listening? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I think that would be best. We'll send the questions out on Tuesday, and then we'll have it up by Monday. So, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Sounds good. Let's dive into this. LSU Tiger 76 asks, assess the LSU running back situation. Who's going to be the dependable dude? And any surprises in the new arrivals? Uh, Sonny, I'll, uh, you answered this one, so I'll let you, you kind of take the reins and, and head up here. Uh, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I mean, when you look at, you know, when you look at spring, when you look at not only the spring, but also the running back room, uh, for 2023 that currently exists, man, you got six guys in there, six scholarship running backs in there. Um, I thought, you know, when, when we're going through and we're looking at, at transfer portal possibilities and, you know, writing stories on trying to get some pre-writes ahead of guys, you know, before you knew that bombardment was going to happen in December, I thought for sure that, okay, LSU's going to see some attrition at the run, in the running back room. You've got mm-hmm. two guys, you knew you Trey Holly and Caleb Jackson, who were, you know, who were getting ready to sign at that time. But then you got Josh Williams, Noah Kane, John Emery Jr., and then Armani Goodwin. And so when you look at that, that, that that's just a, you know, having six scholarship running backs in a room is probably like the equivalent of having four or five scholarship quarterbacks in a room. Because usually, you know, only one's playing at the same time, and there's still only one ball to go around. So, but surprisingly, it didn't happen. You know, LSU is going to enter a 
in spring practice with five in the room right now. Caleb Jackson to get there in uh, in May or June. And so, you know, how are those carries going to do? be dispersed? Well, we know Armani Goodwin that he's not going to be there in the spring. He's still coming uh, recovering from the uh, knee injury that he had. So that leaves you Kane, Emory, Williams, and then Trey Holly, the, uh, the four-star signing from December. And, um, you know, when you look at who's going to be that dude, I think in a perfect world, you know, Josh Williams has, has shown that he can be that dude. You know, he can be that dude for a mm-hmm. period of time. But his body, I just wonder if his body will hold up in an S through, through a, you know, through a 12-14 game season playing in the SEC. He's not the biggest guy, but his running style, you know, his running style is what you see out of those big physical runners. And I just wonder if his body is going to hold up long enough for him to be able to kind of assume those reins. And, uh, you know, going into – I really think you're going to see another running back by committee approach. I think you're going to see – you know, I, I think you're going to see Emory, Kane, Williams, and, and, and possibly even Caleb Jackson. You know, he's a guy that – he's a guy that they're really high on. Obviously, he missed all of his senior season minus the first half of the season opener. So there's going to be some rust to work off there. But physically, when you look at being physically ready to go, I think he's a guy who could uh, who could assume that role as a true freshman. Glenn, you you put on you know over on the article that you thought Joshua would be the most dependable guy. Now, Sonny does raise a great question: Can his body stand the test of time? Which look today's day and age of college football. It'd be asinine to ask one guy carry the load throughout the entire year. You also say it's a group of committee, but why do you feel like Williams is that most dependable guy heading into 2023? Yeah, I, mean, I think he has the most trust in this room, um, and I'm really close. I think the coaching staff really liked what he was able to do as a leader, and um, certainly as a dependable guy in terms of you know not turning the ball over and um, you know getting you know the five six yard runs uh, when they needed them. So. Uh, he's also a really dependable blocker as well, which I think yeah. is going to be really important mm-hmm. for LSU in the passing game. Um, I think they're going to certainly trot out more two tight end lineups, and I think that uh, opens the door for for more running uh, possibilities and more uh, you know run formations. I think you know a lot of this is going to depend on, and I think I wrote this as well, how the offensive line develops. I think that's going to be really important um, for LSU. Is just uh, you know can those guys take another step in the right direction and um, you know, really open up more running lanes for these guys. And I think the one thing that we saw last year was this wasn't a particularly explosive backfield, which is why, you know, I think you could certainly see a lot more of John Emery this year with another off season of work. Um, you know, he was, you know, there was so much around him last year to where you didn't know if he was going to be ready to play or allowed to play. Uh, it could have messed with some of his off season workload and just what his focuses were. Uh, last off season in terms of getting this, the, the grades right, uh, or, or could be a little bit different this year in terms of just focusing more on football and uh, being a more significant factor in this backfield. Um, I still think you know, look, six is a lot to carry into fall. We still have to get through the spring uh, yeah. and see what happens here. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these guys, look, you know, looks elsewhere and, and finds a an opportunity to be a more consistent player. Because uh, I do think I agree with Sonny, it's going to be more of a backfield by committee uh, this year. But um, I think what this does more than anything is allow you to bring those two freshmen along slowly. I mean, the, both of those guys 
you know, with Jackson, it's coming off an injury with Holly, you know, he had a lot of wear and tear on that body for four years. Um, and I think it's going to be important to, you know, bring him along slowly, make sure that he's ready to handle a, a you know, a significant chunk of carries before you just throw him out there. So I think is really going to be beneficial to those two guys in particular. Sonny, I want to throw back to you because you brought up that second portal window, May 1st to May 15th. I know you threw something on the board about it. I mean, when you look at some of these guys, let's just say spring practice, they don't really see what they want to see. Maybe it's a reps thing. Maybe it's an opportunity thing. I think there's a pretty clear understanding, like we both all have said here, it's going to be by committee. Is it as simple as maybe another opportunity pops up for one of these guys to be the lead back elsewhere, maybe at a group of five program, maybe somewhere where they can be more of a feature guy, put up better numbers? I mean, what do you expect out of that running back room? Do you think we roll into summer workouts and fall camp with those full six, or what would you put the odds at that? Well, Noah Kane was a guy who I kind of questioned, you know, because he, you know, he's about to graduate. He would be a grad transfer. Um, but then when, when, uh, when Brian Kelly named his SWAT team members for the, uh, for the spring mm-hmm. conditioning period, Noah Kane was one of the leaders. And so, you know, is that, is that a sign, is that a way for them to say, look, we really think that you're going to be a big part of the offense. We don't want to see you leave. And that they're trying to, uh, you know, integrate him more into being one of those, uh, you know, one of those leaders, um, and then with John Emery, you know, he there was the the talk of and the the speculation of whether or not he was going to enter the NFL draft. You know, mm-hmm. he announced that he was coming back. Um, you know, is he is he a guy that continues to have the uh, you know continues to have the ball security issues? His time gets limited in the spring, and does that push him out the door? You know, I think those are kind of two of the questions that uh, that I'm looking for. And, and that's another thing in kind of, you know, looking at of why John Emery can't be that dude. I just don't know if he'll ever get to a point to where the ball security issues don't negate the big plays that he gives you. Because there's no question. We saw it against Alabama. There's no question he has big playability. But, you know, is he going to make three or four big plays and then turn the ball over? Two or three yeah. big plays turn the ball over. All of a sudden, man, that's gonna, you know, Frank Frank Wilson is a guy who really puts a lot of emphasis on ball security. And um, you know, we we can go back to the to the Friday night lights and to the football movies that we've seen in the past of where the guys toting around the football, going to campus and stuff. We had Jarrell Cherry putting bricks in his backpack to try to help him get bigger and stuff. But, you know, I think that that is a situation where every opportunity you can get John Embry to work on ball security outside of the facility and outside of the football field. I don't know if it's a sports psychologist. I don't know what is in that regard. But, you know, someone's got to get through to him that, you know, he can't be doing all this with the ball and holding it out here. And, you know, it's just that ball's just all over the place when he runs. And and he's got to run with more, you know, more control. Yeah, I think, too, when Glenn and I have touched on this multiple times, the talent's there. But how long is the leash going to be if he does have some ball security issues early on in the season? I mean, you can't let that affect the rest of your offense. And it kind of takes us into our next question, guys, where we talk about another guy who was a big part of the uh, of the run game last year, but it's Cooney who asked, with more time to prepare, will Jane Daniels improve as a passer first and run only 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a last resort. Now, um, I was able to answer this, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first. I'm going to let the new guy go first, and then I'm going to let you guys correct me in this. Um, you know, watching Jaden Daniels this past year, I think that there's something to say that balance is never a bad thing. And you guys both kind of answered this. Being able to be so well-balanced to where you can keep a defense on their toes is not a bad thing. Does he need to improve as a passer? I think we all can say yes. Uh, that there, there needs to be another step taken. Um, I think the word I get hung up on, and the phrase I should say, is last resort, running the football. Look, Daniels is a weapon with his legs, one of the better weapons in the college game. I know sometimes as you know, fans we have to take a step back and realize when you're looking as just a college football fan, there's a lot of teams that would love to have a Jaden Daniels on their roster leading uh, that quarterback room. So, yes, I want him to become a better passer. Yes, I want him to see take strides in his reads, in his progressions. But I don't the, the word last resort for me that gives me calls because look, this is how this guy if if he does make the jump to the NFL he's going to make his money doing that. This is how he's gotten his opportunity because he is a very good runner. He can extend the pocket, and some of the biggest games uh, that LSU played in were because they got there one because of his legs, and he was able to win some of those games because of his legs. So kind of let you guys take that. Obviously, you watched them this past year, you have a little bit better knowledge, but just from watching from the outside last season, yeah, he can become a better passer. He can always improve in that. But, you know, look, last resort for the legs, I don't think they want to knock it that far down the totem pole. Glenn, you can go ahead first. Yeah, I mean, look, they're going to design runs for Jaden Daniels. I think it's that's that's a, a huge part of this offense next year is going to be how he uh, manipulates defenses with his legs and is able to attack in that way. Because, I mean, he was – I mean, you want to talk about the most explosive runner on the team, it was him. I mean, he was the guy that was consistently getting you downfield with those legs. Um, so that's not going to be a, an issue for me. Um, what I'll, I'll just kind of take it maybe from the what I want to see from him in spring. Um, I, I want to see you know him definitely be more assertive in the pocket and um, making his reads uh, and being, I guess, I, I don't want to say trust and put more trust in the receivers, but just – being more confident in his receivers, I think, is probably the best word for it. Just because, you know, last year he had a great rapport with Malik Neighbors and, and with Mason Taylor. Um, but outside of that, you didn't really see a whole lot um, in terms of throwing up the 50-50 balls for guys. And so I think that's what this offseason is going to be about for him is getting in, you know, the extra work with those guys. Ryan Thomas, Aaron Anderson, Shelton Sampson, the, all the new freshman weapons they brought in. Um, Kyron Lacey, I think that's – that's going to be really important for this group is is that he, um, you know, is 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 aware of where they're supposed to be catching the ball, um, where they want the ball, uh, the best place for him to put it. And, you know, I think that's that's going to be really important for him in terms of his development is, um, you know, being accurate and also, you know, understanding that you've got to take some chances in this offense for it to be successful. And I think with – so much guys, so many guys coming back with him. I think that's going to be a lot easier for him. You know, last year, what they were doing with him in the spring, they were working a lot of mechanical stuff. Um, and so you didn't see him throw the ball a ton last spring. 
um, and while he was going through some of those mechanical issues and, and working on that stuff, I think now that you've had a whole year with Brian Kelly, with Den Brock and with Joe Brady, you're really going to see him, I think, uh, and I would hope, stay in the pocket a little bit longer, make those throws, make those reads. Uh, and, and I think certainly show some improvement in that area with the second year with most of these weapons back. Sonny, you were really big on that. I mean, you think the comfortability aspect of him being in that offense, uh, you know, it was, what, six months from the time he got on campus, and he obviously was going to what he was comfortable with, and that's his legs. Uh, and I think you also talked about, too, and I'll let you touch on this, but you don't want to pigeonhole pigeon him into just being a running quarterback. He has the ability to throw the ball, and, and you feel like you're going to be able to see that and fans will be able to see that on more of display with probably better weapons and more consistent weapons around him as well. Yeah. I think so. And I think when you, you know, when you look at it, just, just look at the things that will have changed from last year. You've got an offensive line that instead of having to throw in two true freshmen on the edges, you'll have all five starters returning. Uh, actually, you'll have your, I think your seven, seven of your top eight offensive linemen coming back. Um, you know, that alone, and then being in the offense for an extra year, that alone should, should you know, you should see improvement off of that alone. Um, I think that him being in the offense, him being more comfortable is going to, is going to give him, um, you know, a little more confidence into taking those chances. Uh, you know, last year we saw him take some chances, you know, the, you know, the big touchdown pass to Mason Taylor against Alabama. It wasn't a you know Mason Taylor wasn't just standing there waving his hands up in the air saying hit me you know he threw that ball and and, and Taylor went and got it and so you know I just think you you've got to see more of those and I think with being more comfortable and more confident in the offense having a better understanding of it uh, you know having more time to throw with his receivers having that offensive line come back with everyone intact, I think all of that is going to lead to, uh, to improvement. You know, we're talking about a guy who, uh, from a mechanical standpoint, they felt that they were able to, uh, you know, sharpen up a lot of the things that they really wanted to work on. He's got a strong arm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's always going to have that, that running dynamic that is going to make, that is going to make, uh, you know, people play back a little bit if he can start hitting those passes more downfield. And so I think all of that is going to lead to some improvement. Now, is it – we've got to keep in, in, in mind, too, that Jaden Daniels, he had a pretty good year statistically last year, you know, minus the touchdown passes. But when you go look back and you look at the total yards he accounted for, the total touchdowns and all of that, he, he actually put up some pretty good numbers. And so, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to go out there and grow leaps and bounds because then he would then he would be he would be one of the front runners for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. That's the, I think that's the, you know, that's the, the, the season that he put up last year to where if he grows leaps and bounds, man, I mean, you know, this guy's just going to be out, out, out of the roof. You know, I think he's going to get better. Um, I'm not a proponent of he is what he is and he will always be. I do think that, that the experience in the offense, the being more comfortable, being more confident in the offense and the people around him, is going to lead to, uh, you know, to two more plays, two bigger chunk plays, two more chunk plays. And so, um, you know, I, I think that I, I, I think that I think what was he Glenn, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions last year before the I, I think it was seven, three interceptions and then he had eight or nine. 
too. So he yeah, uh, yeah. Left, so I counted for like twenty five scores or so. Yeah. yeah. So I think you know I, I think when you and I was thinking I, for some reason I was thinking that it was twenty eight that he had twenty eight total scores. But I'm probably wrong. Well, Seventeen you know, and eleven. I, I, think was he, I, I think he could come out. I think he could come out and you know and account for thirty five touchdowns or so. You know next year. You know give you that give you a bigger boost out of the passing game and then you know still have that run game as a compliment. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a firm believer that he can make the improvement that he needs to make, um, you know, across the board for LSU to be able to kind of capitalize on these early preseason rankings that you're seeing four in the country, seven in the country. You know, it's uh, you know that gives you that gives you a little more room for error. You know, you're not starting off at 38, which they probably were last year, but you saw how quickly they were able to climb to right outside that top five. So, um, yeah, I, I think that he's going to – I think that he's going to give them a chance to be able to do everything that, that fans want to see them do next year and legitimate contention. He's got the talent, and like Glenn was talking about, I mean, the weapons – uh, look, people. A lot of people outside LSU are really high on Malik Neighbors. He's a true number one at this point. I mean, you look at what else they have: Brian Thomas, uh, Anderson. They bring in from Alabama. The young guys, uh, Samson. I mean, there's going to be a lot of weapons. And obviously, Mason Taylor. You feel like all those guys are going to take another step. And then some of those weapons out of the backfield we mentioned earlier: John Emery Jr. catching the ball in the backfield is never a bad thing as well. Uh, we kind of go into the rapid fire mode, and so we're going to let Glenn take this one right here. Beat Bama two three nine seven three one says. Glenn, comma, no, he didn't call you out by name, but Glenn, being the basketball guru he is, how's recruiting looking? And for Coach McMahon's sake, he says it better be a doozy. Uh, kind of walk us through real quick. Uh, I know you went through kind of detail last week what this looked like, but just kind of catching us up on that. Now, what does it look like right now in the recruiting ranks uh, for LSU basketball? Yeah, so I think you can expect a, a really rapid change here. I think, you know, the, it's going to be another offseason of, of heavy transfer portal usage. Um, you know, they got two freshmen in Corey Chess and Mike Williams who were signed to the program coming in next year. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that you're hoping from now until the end of this season is that LSU is able to go in and re-recruit Jalen Reed, uh, Tyrell Ward, Sean Phillips. You want to see those guys get as much opportunity as possible down the stretch here because those are going to be honestly foundational pieces if they develop in the right way for you next year so making sure those guys let it be known that they're going to have significant roles next year that's going to be a big part of the recruiting process um, but but transfers are, are going to be where this thing really lies i think uh, we won't really have we won't really know of any names until this season really kind of winds down and ends and guys start entering their name into the portal um, but you've got to add size. I mean, I think LSU's undersized at probably every position on the roster right now. They've got to add some length uh, to this group, and they've got to add shot creation too. I mean, hmm. that's the one thing this team does not have right now is a guy that can create for others and also create for himself on a consistent basis for 40 minutes. Um, you know, these are just a couple of big bullet points that you want to see. You want to see rim protection. Uh, in the form of a big man, maybe Sean Phillips develops into that next year. Um, but you know, you've you've got to get got to get shot creation. You've got to get rim protection for these guys. Yeah, and it kind of leads us into the next question. LSU fan 1957 said, uh, and Glenn, you're more than welcome, and Sonny as well to answer this too. I answered this on the article. Does men's basketball win two more games this year? And is Matt McMahon on the hot seat if things don't improve significantly next season? And I brought up the, the loss earlier this week to Georgia. They were in it on the road, which is anytime you're on the road in the SEC and you have a chance to win, you really want to capture that. Um, and just kind of you know some 
unfortunate things at the end, especially that inbound pass, uh, just kind of put the nail in the coffin for them. And it feels like every single time we've seen this team play, it's just been, especially in the close games, one or two things that they go back and change, it, it would be completely different. And, and that's a lot in sports. But I think the next two games, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, uh, Van- South Carolina Saturday and then Vanderbilt next week, uh, you get both of them at home, which, look, those two teams are not powerhouses in the SEC by any means. To me, Saturday might be your best chance. And I know, Glenn, you're going to be there. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Glenn's going to be – no, Glenn's not going to be there. We're going no, to send gonna Dylan. On Saturday. I'm going to be there on Saturday just because I think um, that might be their best chance for a win here in all of this. And so <laughs> I'm going to bite the bullet and go to basketball on Saturday. Dylan's going to head to baseball. But, that's right. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably their best chance at a win here to end this losing streak once and for all. Um, but there's just some, there, there are a lot of deficiencies with this team. We've talked about it at nauseum. They can't shoot the ball. I mean, they've been a lot better at creating open looks, I think in the last several games, which I think is a sign of improvement, but they're not making them. I mean, they're just missing wide open shots. They're missing mm-hmm. wide open threes, point blank layups. And, and they're letting that really bite into their confidence early in these games, which is why you've seen such uh, astronomical scores in the first half and them clawing their way back in the second half a little bit. That's kind of been the theme the last couple of weeks, but um, yeah, there's, there's look, I, I, I think it's premature to say Matt McMahon's on the hot seat. I, I would say they gave him a seven year contract for a reason. Um, was this a letdown of a first year? I would say, yes, absolutely. This has been a letdown of a first year, um, but you got to let him write the ship and, and give him uh, a little bit longer of a leash than this. Yeah, I agree, too. I think that unless it's a repeat of this season, there's really not a, a massive uh, – it, it don't turn the heat up. Um, I think that, you know, really good growth would see them get to closer, and I put it right here in the article, uh, see them get closer to 500 mark in the SEC conference. I mean, obviously they did what they did non-conference schedules, a little bit of a cupcake schedule. Uh, but if they could just get a little bit better, and like you said, we'll see what they bring in. Um, as well. All right, here we go. Final question. LSU Tiger 76 asks, how far can this Kim Mulkey team go this season? So in 10 words or less, we'll start with Sonny. Sonny, where do you see this team ending their run? Are they going to end it cutting down some nets or, or before that? They're going to cut. They will cut down some nets. Final Not all. <laughs> all right. That's final that's your eight words. There eight we go. Words. They will cut down some nets to make it to the final four, but the rock, the run ends there. Gotcha. Glenn, what about you? Where do you think the Skim Mulkey team ends up? Uh, SEC champ runner up, uh, Elite Eight exit. Um, I think they'll, they'll host a couple playoff games too in, in the PMAC, which will be good. Um, uh, and that, that'll be fun. But yeah, that's, that's kind of my prediction right now. Glenn went with 36 words. I did count the entire time. Um, but that's okay. No, I think uh, I'm kind of with you here. I think SEC champion runner up. Um, and then I think Elite Eight. I think this team is still a couple of pieces depth wise away from making a real deep run. Very talented. Um, but we saw kind of, you know, against the South Carolinas, which are far and few in between in this league and this in the country, uh, you got to have a different, you got to be a different breed to kind of win a national title in the women's game. So that wraps up this week's mailbag. Make sure if you want to be a part of it, we're going to take questions from anywhere and everywhere, but the best ways to best way to do it 
uh, is to head over to Go 24-7. Make sure you're subscribed. Get the VIP membership. It's fantastic. Putting out some great content. Throw your questions down there. If you have a question you'd like answered and you're brand new, this is the first time you're watching, make sure to subscribe to the channel or follow wherever you get your audio. If you're on YouTube, throw your question down below. I'll be checking that to make sure we can get your question in the mix for next week. But that's all the time we have for today is it is Sunny Ship. Glenn West, my name is Bryce Kuhn. It's opening weekend of college baseball. Going to be a lot of fun, a lot of uh, of not-so-great baseball weather. But we're getting closer to that good weather down in Baton Rouge. We'll talk to you next time here on the Go 24-7 podcast.